Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Ray Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warmer from Lilo, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, we've got a great show for you. It's in the second segment. John Jansen out there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, is going to be joining me. Going to have some fun talking about the Philadelphia Phillies NL East race. and Going to be taking a look at some of the games that are going to be coming up for this Monday. So, going to have a great chat there. He's joined me quite a few times and he always brings it. And then in the final segment, we're going to be bringing it with a side total and analysis on every single game on the Monday MLB betting board. And a little something you like to call touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And if you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUNNRSCORD1. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Naming does not matter, so I send these in via the Twitter timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we did have a fun day of baseball on Sunday. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. If you had the Dodgers run line, things got a little bit airy, but... Kenley Jansen was able to close it out 5-3 the final. The Dodgers were up by a count of 5-0 going into the ninth inning. And then Phil Bickford winds up giving up three runs. But Kenley Jansen from there is able to close things out. As you wound up having Walker Bueller give you a good start. Six scoreless innings. Blake Try and Victor Gonzalez both give you a scoreless inning for Bickford. He does not record a single out while giving up those three runs. But for the LA Dodgers, Mookie Betts is the Betts around. His seventh home run of the season. 
That comes off of Dane Dunning, who wound up having a short start in this one. Gives up four runs and four innings from there. John King, two and a third innings, gives up a run. You had Spencer Patton give you a couple outs, and Brett Martin was able to give you a scoreless eighth inning, but for the Texas Rangers, 12 men left on base. So that left a little bit of something to be desired. The other LA team, they are above 500 for the first time since May 1st. 10-3 to the final for the Angels. You wind up having Max Sassy and Jared Walsh go yard in this one for Walsh. That was off of Kevin Ginkle, his 14th home run of the season. And John DePlantier gives one up to Max Sassy, his 5th for DePlantier. He gets four outs, and he gives up six runs in his start. That is not terrific. Riley Smith comes in in super long relief for four and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs, both of which were earned from there. You wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Ryan Bucher, and you wind up having Kevin Ginkle give up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of two innings and for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now losers off 32 out of their last 37 games. Absolutely awful. As for the Angels, Patrick Sandoval, now a career 2-11 as he gives up two runs over the course of six innings and then from there, Steve Ciszek, a scoreless inning, and Junior Guerra, two innings pitch, he gives up a run, so that was pretty rock solid. Another team out there in the state of California, the Oakland A's, they get the job done against the Kansas City Royals by a count of 6-3. Chris with a K, Bubich, not his best start, gives up three total home runs, Five runs in total over the course of four and two-thirds innings. He has now given up at least four runs in each out of his last three starts. As going deep for the Oakland A's. You wind up having Matt Olson go deep not once but twice. 17th and 18th home runs of the season. And then the other Matt, Matt Chapman, his seventh home run of the season from there. Royals bullpen wasn't too bad. Kyle Zimmer gives up a run in one and a third innings. Greg Holland along with Irvin Santana give you a scoreless inning up for the Kansas City Royals. Pair of home runs and Brandon Tendy winds going deep off of Chris Bassett for his eighth home run season. And then Yasmeto Petit gives one up to one Carlos Santana for his 11th home run of the season for Chris Bassett. He did not wind up taking you hook, line, and sinker in this one, but gives up two runs in five and two-thirds innings. He has Meadow Petit, gives up a run in one and a third innings. Jake Diekman, Luke Trevino, they were able to give you scoreless innings as well. You didn't have a lot of scoreless innings pitched by the Boston Red Sox. 18-4, they get destroyed by the Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays. There were only two innings in this game in which the Blue Jays did not wind up scoring a combined eight home runs as well. Marcus Simeon is 15th. Tasker Hernandez goes deep twice. His 9th and 10th of the season. Rowdy Tellez, his 4th of the season. Vlad Guerrero Jr. now leads the league with his 21st home run of the season. Lourdes Gurriel, 6th home run of the season. Gavon Biggio, his 5th home run of the season. Bo Bichette, his 13th home run of the season. And I think the towel boy got one as well as Robbie Ray. Gives up 3 runs in 6 innings. He gives up a home run himself. Trent Thornton gives up a solo home run in 2 innings. And then it was Jeremy Beasley cleaning things up in the ninth inning with a scoreless inning before the Boston Red Sox. You wind up having Martin Perez get destroyed. He gives up five runs while recording four outs. Gives up three of those home runs. And then Ryan Weber, he just ate it for this team. 11 runs given up in five and two-thirds innings, including four home runs. From there, Marwan Gonzalez gives you a scoreless inning. And two hundred runs by Christian Arroyo as you wind up having Marwan Gonzalez, who is just pitching in the eighth inning, have an error in the ninth inning that costs a position player two runs. As you wind up having Xander Bogarts get his 12th home run of the season and Bobby Dahlbeck his eighth. So that was a highly entertaining game. Speaking of big numbers, that's exactly what the Houston Astros put up on the Minnesota Twins. A count of 14-3. The Astros win this one. Kyle Tucker gets his 13th home run of the season. You have Jordan Alvarez go deep for his ninth. And then Jazz McCormick winds up being able to get his sixth as the Minnesota Twins. They wind up giving Michael Pineda the start. Wasn't necessarily the world's worst start, but still you leave a little bit of something to be desired. Gives 
gives up three runs over the course of four innings, and Randy Dobnik just having a season from a fiery inferno. Now an 838 ERA, he gives up six runs in two innings. Matt Shoemaker is now a long reliever for this team. He gives up three runs in two innings. Alex Colmey gives up two runs in an inning. And for the Minnesota Twins, Barrett home runs for this team. Ryan Jeffers gets his third home run of the season. And then Nelson Cruz was able to get his 13th as for the Houston Astros. It was a tremendous start for Framber Valdez. Gives up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of seven innings. And then from there, you wind up having one run given up by Ralph Garza Jr. in two innings of relief. So the Houston Astros, now 37-28, and 28, have scored at least four runs in 22 out of their last 27 games. In offense, as all of a sudden caught fire as well as the Milwaukee Brewers. Five-plus runs in eight out of their last ten games. They take it to the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 5-2. to two. One William Crow, not necessarily a terrible start, gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Bullpen, which has actually been not bad for the Pirates, winds up failing them in this one. Jeff Harpley gives you a scoreless inning, but Sam Howard, he gives up a run in an inning, and then David Bernard gives up two runs in an inning, including home run, obviously, El Garcia, 13th home run of the season, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, Adrian Hauser doesn't get the win, but he looked pretty solid. Does give up two runs in five and two-thirds innings, including homer Jacob Sallings gets his fifth of the season, but then from there, the Brewers... Good 8th and ninth inning duo, Devin Williams, Josh Hader. They both give you a scoreless inning for Hader. He winds up getting three punch-outs in his inning. Brad Boxberger, scoreless inning, and Brent Suter was able to close things out in the 6th inning for the Brewers. They leave one man on base despite scoring five runs, so that was very entertaining. We're going to be talking with our good buddy John Jansen in the second segment a little bit more about the Philadelphia Phillies, but they pound the Yankees for their fourth straight win. 7-0 the final. Domingo Herman, he had been really doing well for the Yankees. Yankees had won, I believe, seven out of his last eight starts. Gives up seven runs and four and a third innings from there. Lucas Lutich, who scoreless settings. Jonathan Lewis got a scoreless setting and Wandy Peralta gives you a pair of outs, but for the Yankees, nothing to do on offense there, and Super Nola was super. Seven and two-thirds innings scoreless. Connor Brogdon gives you an out, and then you wind up getting a scoreless setting from Aniel De Los Santos, as for the Philadelphia Phillies. No home runs, but they go six of 13 with men in scoring position, so they're starting to step up, and the Phillies at home vastly different than the Phillies on the road. At home so far this year, Philadelphia Phillies posting up a nice 21 and 12 record, 11 and 19 on the road. The Chicago Cubs are now 24 and 10 at home. On Sunday night baseball, they take it to the St. Louis Cardinals, who have now lost eight out of their last seven by count of two to zero for the Cardinals. 0-5 with men in scoring position, and Carlos Martinez he gives up both of those runs in his start, but actually looked really good. Both of those runs were unearned. He was hurt by a pair of errors by Matt Carpenter, along with Paul DeYoung in his seven innings, and then from there Ryan Hazley gives you a scoreless setting, and for Zach Davies. One of his better starts of the year. Six and two-thirds inning scoreless. Ryan Tapera closes out the seventh and gives you a scoreless eighth inning. And then Craig Kimbrell, 18th save of the season. 0.66 ERA for the Chicago Cubs. Just one of six with men in scoring position. They wind up taking care of the St. Louis Cardinals thanks to that error. And they're able to get the job done. Speaking of being able to get the job done, the Tampa Bay Rays just continue to do so. 7-1 to the final as the Orioles have now lost 15 road games in a row as... In this one, it was Bruce Zimmerman with two ends that gets the start. Could have been worse. Gives up three runs in five and two-thirds innings. From there, Trey Lincoln Sr. gets one out, gives up two runs, and Cesar Valdez gives up two runs in two innings. Really need for the Tampa Bay Rays in this one. You wind up getting Randy Orozarena, his eighth home run this season, and for Michael Waka, more like Waka 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 Waka. I always think of the dying Pac-Man voice with him. He gives up one run in two innings, but then from there, bulk guy Josh Fleming, four scoreless innings, and then you wind up having Andrew Kittrich, Jeffrey Springs, and an acquisition from the San Francisco Giants, Matt Whistler, a scoreless inning. So that was solid, and for the Baltimore Orioles, 
104 with men in scoring position. The offense had been solid up until the series against the Tampa Bay Rays, but the Rays took it to them as they've been taking it to so many teams so far this year. The Chicago White Sox took it to the Detroit Tigers, 4-1 the final for Carlos Rodon. His tremendous year continues. He gives up one run over the course of seven innings. He punches out nine. This has been a great year for him as the team has now won each out of his last three starts, and he has been one of the better pitchers to the under. I believe that now five out of his last six starts have went under Evan Marshall, along with Liam Hendricks. Both give you a scoreless inning, and for the White Sox, they wind up stranding 12 men on base, but for the Detroit Tigers, it was a bullpen game. Kyle Funkhauser gets the open, and he doesn't give up any runs in two two-thirds innings. They might actually look to him a little bit more in that role as Tyler Alexander comes in from there, gives up two runs in two and a third innings. Buck Farmer gives up two runs in an inning, and then Joey Menez, along with Gregory Soto and Brian Garcia, both give you a scoreless inning for the Detroit Tigers. Just nothing doing. One hit in this game, so Carlos Rodon has given up one and zero hits in a pair of his starts so far this year. That is pretty darn impressive. You know what else is pretty darn impressive? How bad the Colorado Rockies are on the road. They lose 6-2 to two to the Cincinnati Reds for the Rockies. They now have a road record of 5-27 and as it was Mr. Tony Santian who got the start for the Reds. Gives up one run in four and two-thirds innings. A bullpen of the Reds has been anemic all year long. Stepped up. Heath Embry gives up a run in an inning, giving up a home run in the process. As going to for the Colorado Rockies, Ryan McMahon, his 15th home run of the season. But for the Red Legs as well, Ryan Hendricks was able to close out that fifth inning. Brad Brock, Amir Garrett, they combined for an inning. And Lucas Sims, two scoreless innings. And for the Cincinnati Reds, Eugenio Suarez gets his 14th home run of the season for the Reds. Nick Cassiano, Suarez, along with Jesse Winker, all with 13-plus home runs. And for Antonio Sensatella, he continues to be terrible on the road. He gives up five runs in six innings, including that home run. Carlos Estevez gives up a run in an inning. And Yessi Almonte, thanks to a scoreless inning, lowers his ERA to an 11.70, which is an SA2 terrific when you're using the word lowers. What else has been very low is the amount of runs that the New York Mets have given up all year long, but Fernando Tatis Jr. and his Grand Slam winds up changing that 7-3 the final for Fernando Tatis Jr. His Grand Slam is his 19th of the season, and with regards to home runs on a per-at-bat basis, Tatis Jr. now getting a home run every... 8.1-ish at bat, so he has been doing a great job there. Manny Machado also supplied a home run in his length of the season. Tommy Pham gets his fifth as Joey Lucchese gets a start in this one. He gives up that solo home run to Pham, and that's it over the course of five innings. But then, Jersic Familia, Spanish for blowing safe. Well, he finally regrets. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned over the course of one and two-thirds innings. Jacob Barnes then winds up giving up the other two home runs, giving up two runs in a third of an inning. Drew Smith, two scoreless innings, but... For the Mets, their lone form of offense, Jose Peraza. Fourth home run of the season. That comes off of Chris Paddock. Paddock winds up giving up two runs in six innings. And then from there, you have an unearned run given up by Emilio Pagan. But Mark Melanson, a scoreless inning. Tim Mill, Austin Adams. They combine for a scoreless inning. Big for a pottery team that I believe had lost 11 out of their last 15 games. And for the Mets, they actually have the best home winning percentage out there in baseball. So that makes it all the more impressive. What else is impressive is being able to get to Shane Bieber. And the team with the worst batting average out there in the big leagues of the Seattle Mariners were able to do so. 6-2 the final for Logan Gilbert. All of a sudden he's been able to put things together. Gives up one run over the course of six innings. He's now given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts. And in each out of his last four starts, two runs or fewer. So there actually might be a little bit of something here with him. And then from there, you wind up having Kendall Graveman give up a run prior to 
pitcher this weekend, by the way. He had not given up a single run in relief. He's now given up two, but still has been pretty solid. Drew's second rider, a scoreless inning, and Austin Mitchevich winds up giving you a scoreless third of an inning for the Seattle Mariners. Pair of home runs. Jake Fraley, his second in two days. He goes deep off of Bieber, his fourth of the season. And Kyle Seeger takes Bieber deep for his 13th for Bieber. I was not a believer, and he did not wind up coming through. He gives up two home runs, 10 hits in total in five and two-thirds innings. Brian Shaw, one and a third inning scoreless from there. And then you wind up having two innings with one unearned run given up by Trevor Steven for the Cleveland Indians. They wind up going one of four with men in scoring position. So a little bit of a rough weekend there for them. The Miami Marlins wind up having a rough Sunday as well. They wind up losing to the Atlanta Braves by kind of six of four. For the Atlanta Braves, pair of home runs in this one. Austin Riley is 12th of the season. That comes off of one Pablo Lopez. And then Ross Detweiler in relief gives one up to Ender Enciarte. His first of the season for Lopez. His worst start of the year. Gives up four runs in the course of three innings. John with two S's on the back half of it. Curtis gives up one run in two innings. Ross Detweiler gives up a run in an inning. Zach Pop, two scoreless innings. Adam Simber gives up nothing in his inning. But for the Miami Marlins, two of down with men in scoring position. So lots of squandered opportunities as Drew Smiley, who has been rough all year. Well, you wound up coming up with a decent start. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Shane Green gives you a scoreless inning along with Chris Martin and Will Smith and then Luke Jackson and A.J. Minter. Combined for an inning out of the bullpen. Minter winds up giving up two runs in the process. And for the Atlanta Braves, they're still on their quest of being above 500 for the first time all year. They get a little bit closer to that. And then for the Washington Nationals, they wind up taking two out of their last three against the San Francisco Giants. 5-0 to zero the final for the San Francisco Giants. Johnny Cueto gets a lit up. Five runs given up, four of which were earned. Over the course of five and a third innings with a pair of home runs given up. Kyle Schwarber goes deep. Not once, but twice. And he now has three home runs in his last three games. 11th and 12th of the season. Joe Ross, eight scoreless innings on a day in which the Nationals bullpen needed relief. Sam Clay able to come in for a scoreless inning. And for the San Francisco Giants, bullpen was solid in this one. You wind up getting two scoreless innings out of Jimmy Scherfe, and then you wind up getting a pair of outs out of Jose Alvarez and for the San Francisco Giants, now 40-25. and 25. So certainly still one of the better teams out there in the National League and one of the better things out there in baseball right now is betting favorites. If you take a look over the last seven days, it has been absolutely amazing. Favorites, 62-24. and 24. That is a 72.1% clip and away favorites, 21-9. and 9. That is a 70% clip over the last seven days as well. We have noticed that the overs have been able to t- overtake the unders a little bit. Perhaps the spider attack not being used has a little bit to do with that. 54.3% clip, 44 and 37. If you're taking a look over the last 30 days, favorites overall have been solid. 240 and 154. That is a 60.9% clip. Overs 198 and 184. I contribute that a little bit to the warming of the temperature as overall for the year. Overs are a little bit ahead of unders. 468 and 462. And if you're looking at favorites overall for the year, you're finding them at 554 and 404. If you're looking at home teams, since the ballparks are being a little bit more packed, 522 and 445 overall. If you're looking at the last 30 days, home teams hitting at a 55.9% clip, 223 and 176. And over last week, home teams 51 and 36. So that's what we all noticed from Major League Baseball on Sunday and what we're all noticing overall. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by our good buddy out there in the city of Philadelphia with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, John Jansen. Going to be looking at the analyst, Philadelphia Phillies. Now we're going to be talking about what's all going to be coming up for Monday. That's on the other side right here on Baseball Eddie Podcast with myself, Ray Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in Lovely Bucks. 
Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by our next guest as we go out there to the great state of Pennsylvania, more specifically Philadelphia. That's where we find John Jansen. He does great work with Fox the Gambler out there in Philadelphia. He does the show that you can hear every night, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern. If you're looking Pacific time, that is 5 to 8. That is the line change. He does a wide variety of other things, and you're able to follow him on Twitter. At Jay Jansen, the numbers 3 and 4. It is John Jansen joining me on the podcast. Last name is spelled J-A-N-S-E-N. And John, great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is always a good time. And especially, again, the last time I was on, Phillies were doing pretty well. Or at least they, I think, broke a losing streak. But now a four-game winning streak for the Phils. So things are going well. To let you in behind the curtain, typically with these interviews, I book them, I would say, two, three days in advance, give or take a little bit. Sometimes it's a little bit more last minute than others. But we booked this a couple days ago. And ever since we did, the Philadelphia Phillies have been playing their best baseball of the year. They absolutely clobber the New York Yankees on Sunday. What are you seeing out of this team? Because Vince Velasquez actually gave the team a good start. You wound up having the team pitch a shutout yesterday. Aaron Noel looks super once again. And I take a look at this Philadelphia Phillies team, and they're always able to put it together at home. I don't know what it is, but on the road, they just seem like a different team. Yeah, that's where they're going to be tested because they have a series against the Dodgers coming up. But it's odd. It's baseball in a way that they're getting it from really odd places. You know, Luke Williams has been a hero in a game where he had a walk-off home run. Ranger Suarez, to start this four-game winning streak, went three shutout innings. And he's really been the only one in the back end of the bullpen that's been good. The offense finally woke up. So... It's a good thing. I always thought the Phillies always lost games in so many different ways, whether it was the bullpen, the back end of the bullpen not doing well in terms of closer like Hector Neris or Jose Alvarado, or the defense not doing well or the offense not hitting. There was always one part of the game that would always end up having them lose and why they could never, I think, gain, you know, any wins or any momentum. But now they're winning in different ways. They're winning with the late heroics from Luke Williams. They're winning now with Aaron Nola pitching well, and that hasn't happened in a while. They have hit better in the past two games than they have pretty much for most of the season. Seven runs in the game on Sunday, eight runs on Saturday against the Yankees. And, you know, Ranger Suarez, obviously, that's not somebody that the Phillies expect to go to a lot in the bullpen, but to see him go three innings and shut out in a big game against Atlanta, that's huge. So they're getting it in different spots, which is a really good thing because for the most part, they've been losing in just multiple different ways. And to see them kind of find ways to win is, is really impressive and good for them. It certainly has been, and the NL East in general is very fascinating because the Atlanta Braves have yet to get over 500 so far this year, and they're 63 games through the season. They're closer to the Miami Marlins than they are the division lead. As it stood going into Sunday, the New York Mets had the second biggest division lead out there in baseball with only the Chicago White Sox in the AL Central having a bigger lead and I don't know what you think of the division race. The Phillies are now above 500, but I still do think that it is really the Mets to lose just because with the Mets, they enter into Sunday 32 and 24. They wind up losing on Sunday, but still, this is a bunch that you know that the reinforcements are going to be coming in Noah Syndergaard. You know that you're going to be getting back Carlos Carrasco at some point. Some of these guys like Michael Conforto and company going to be back in the lineup. And when I take a look at it, what I think the biggest question is in the National League is, Will there be one of those teams in the NL West that drop off to allow a team like the Phillies, the Braves, what have you, to perhaps be able to get into that wild card chase? Yeah, I think the Mets are, I hate to say running away with it early on, but they seem to be 
by far the most complete team. They've gotten help from the bullpen. The starting pitching, obviously very good. And hopefully Jacob DeGrom is okay because, you know, I know the right flexor strain, but injuries on and off. If he could stay healthy, obviously we know how good Jacob DeGrom is, but they're hitting finally past couple of weeks, they've been one of the best, I think, lineups in baseball. And that's something that was not happening early on in the beginning of the season. And we kind of thought, okay, if they ever got it going, you know, if Francisco Lindor can start putting some hits together, if Pete Alonso can string together a few home runs, we knew this lineup had the potential, just never doing it. And finally, the lineup is caught up with the pitching. And now we're seeing kind of the result of that, that this is, far and away, probably the most complete team. While the Braves finally... Their pitching has looked better. I wouldn't say great. It's looked better, but their lineup has completely fallen apart. I just think, honestly, the Mets are looking like the most complete team. Not even the Phillies. The Phillies have good pieces. They remind me of the Brewers that the good pieces can sometimes carry them to a few wins and can get them into a few streaks, but I don't know if it's going to be consistent. I think what we see from the Mets is what we can consistently see from them for the rest of the season. I agree with you. I do think that the Mets are going to be able to put this thing together as we do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler joining me on the podcast and up next for the Philadelphia Phillies, who we've been talking about quite a bit here. They're having to go on the road against the Dodgers, which is never necessarily easy, but we did wind up seeing the Dodgers lose by a count of 12 to 1 on Saturday to the Texas Rangers. I chalk that up as a little bit of the weirdness of baseball rather than anything else, but Spencer Howard is going to be going to the, for the Philadelphia Phillies. And when you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, you've got a couple good top end starters. Aaron Nola, who you wound up seeing yesterday, tremendous. Zach Wheeler a couple of days ago. He got it going. I just have absolutely no idea what we're going to get out of Spencer Howard, though, because year in and year out, he's always one of the top prospects in baseball. And year in and year out, he just doesn't wind up putting it together. Then again, he is going up against a guy in Tony Gonsolin that in his last time out did not wind up going two full innings. And, well, that became a bullpen game for the Dodgers. Yeah, Howard's a weird case, man, because he has the stuff. You'll see him in the first couple of innings against the Dodgers. It happens every single start. You go, man, Spencer Howard looks good today. And, you know, the stuff looks great. He's missing bats. And then all of a sudden, once he gets a little bit deeper into a game, about third inning almost, like he can barely go over a couple of innings without his stuff just completely falling apart. The fastball dipped from a mid to high 90s fastball all the way down to a low 90s, sometimes 80. You know, the curveball starts to lose a bit of its bite once he gets deeper into games. This is going to be a very much a bullpen game for the Phillies, and that's how you should look at it. I don't think you should expect Spencer Howard to go past probably the third inning here. If he goes three strong, I would be very surprised. This is a bullpen game. So the Dodgers could be the same thing. Tony Gonsolin, not very good, but I would kind of look for ways for the Dodgers to kind of mash on the Phillies here because the bullpen has been better. Ranger Suarez being one of them, but you know, obviously guys like Naris, Alvarado, this isn't a deep bullpen and you kind of get to some of those guys that aren't very good. And I think the Dodgers can end up putting a lot of runs. So I'll probably look at the, the team total for them. You know, maybe look at a run line. It's just difficult with Gonsolin, but definitely want to take advantage of the fact that Howard's not going to go very long and you likely will have a bullpen game. And here's going to be a very difficult one to handicap as well. You're going to say, oh, this is a team with one of the worst records in baseball. And that is true of the Colorado Rockies. They have been absolutely terrible so far this year, but they have been terrible on the road. 5-27 and 27 now on the road, but a very respectable 20-14 and 14 at home for the Colorado Rockies. They're playing against a San Diego Padres team that they were able to take care of business against the Mets yesterday, but prior to that, I believe that they had lost four straight games and something like eight out of their last 12 overall. So 
This is a Padres team that's slumping a little bit. Janelson Lamette has yet to pitch five innings this year, going up against a guy in Austin Gomber that walks are a massive issue with him. But when he's not walking, guys, he's actually relatively solid. And I do think that this might be a little bit of a sneaky spot here if you're looking to take an underdog, just because I think that many people are going to see the Colorado Rockies are going to see their record and they're just going to think, oh, they stink regardless. But where you want to be fading the Rockies is on the road rather than at home. Yeah, and you know what? I have to give Gomber complete credit for what he's done lately, especially the month of May and even to start June, because I thought he potentially might have been one of the worst pitchers in baseball to start the season. Because you're right, he had 19 walks in 23 innings in April. To start the season, he had 19 walks in 23 innings, but since then, only four walks in the entire month of May and no walks yet in two starts in June. I don't know what to think of this guy. You know, it's been two huge extremes, but I think I have to kind of go with what I've seen lately. He's figured out something. I don't know what it is, but he's figured it out. And I don't think the Padres are completely, you know, you have to fade whatever opposing team they're playing or the Padres are a must bet on the road. This is a team I I might want to pick on here in this spot. And I'm glad you highlighted it. I think the Rockies might potentially be in a pretty good spot here, especially you're going to get a pretty big plus price for them. And I do like that whenever they are at home. Yeah, getting the Colorado Rockies as a home underdog, very appealing. As a road underdog, that price better be very, very, very high because (laughs) if you've been getting plus $3 on every one of your games against the Colorado Rockies and you've been betting on them on the road, you're still down a whole bunch of money they bet that bad on the road as. We do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, joining me on the podcast. And then, in my opinion, the best game of the night is going to be the Tampa Bay Rays and the Chicago White Sox. White Sox, best record out there in the American League, along with the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays have been tremendous on the road. White Sox, best team with regards to record at home in the American League. Lance Lynn, south of a 1-5 ERA, going up against a guy in Tyler Glassell, one of the best guys with regards to strikeouts per nine innings out there in baseball. Right now, White Sox, a very slight favorite. What do you make out of this one? Because this is strength on strength. Best team on the road in baseball versus the best team in the American League at home. Two great pitchers. I think that this is going to be an absolutely tremendous game. Yeah, it should be. And, you know, one thing with the White Sox is I didn't expect pitching to carry them in this way. And pitching just has. Their starting pitching has been phenomenal. And, of course, this game, Lance Lynn on the mound, 7-1 record with a 1.23 ERA. The White Sox lineup has just been sort of pedestrian the past couple of weeks. They haven't really blown anybody away. You know, a couple of big games here and there, but what's carrying them is their starting rotation. And their bullpen has been solid too. It's been a top 10 bullpen so far this season. It's coming in an unexpected place. I thought the White Sox lineup was just going to be good enough to carry them. And, you know, the pitching would have been okay. The bullpen would have been okay, but the hitting would have been able to carry them through a season. But so far, pitching and specifically starting pitching is doing that. And I would have no problem betting the White Sox here in this circumstance. Lancelin, is that good for a reason? Now, obviously, I would maybe be looking and the first five under, I'm sure, is going to be juiced up and we'll see. But I'll have to see what the prices come out with the lineups just because, you know, the White Sox and Rays are respected lineups and the White Sox more than the Rays are respected. So I'm hoping to get a little bit of a decent price in terms of maybe some unders. But that's going to be really hard to do, obviously, with Lynn and Glass down the mound. So what I think I'm going to do is just go with the White Sox at home here and ride the Lance Lynn train, which is a ride I did not expect to go on at all, Greg Peterson. Oh, yeah, Lance Lynn a few years ago, back when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals, it felt like he was very much an up-and-down pitcher, but last couple years he has shown to be absolutely tremendous. Last year while he was with the Rangers, a team that had 
literally nothing other than him. He was solid, and so far this year, a sub-1-3 ERA. So he has certainly been able to do his part. And John, how about if you do your part? Is there any game out there for Monday that you really have your eye on? Because we've highlighted a couple of these games. Obviously, the Rays versus the White Sox, a big one, Phillies versus Dodgers. But is there one or two that you take a look at and you think, man, there might be an opportunity here from a betting standpoint or just a game that you want to kick back, have a beverage with, and watch just for the future in general. One of the interesting ones is going to be the Athletics and Angels because the Angels have been winning. I think 8-2 and two in their last 10 games have been good, but they have Dylan Bundy on the mound, who is 1-6 with a 6.16 ERA. Just, he looked good in the first couple of games this season and has really fallen apart here. And that's an interesting one because it would kind of be a spot where I'd maybe want to take the Angels as an underdog. They're them playing so well, but it's really hard to back Bundy. Another game that's going to be interesting is Alex Manoa on the mound for the Blue Jays. It just seems like a really tough spot for him in Fenway against this Red Sox lineup that does hit very well against right-handed pitching. So that one's going to be an interesting one. I think I could trust Evaldi enough. He's 7-3. and The ERA a little bit above 4, 4.11. But the price I'm seeing, minus 121 right now, I don't think that's really egregious for the Red Sox, who have been okay at home, but just a good team in general, have one of their better pitchers on the mound. And I think a rookie here that they should be able to hit in Alex Manoa. I do think that Manoa is probably going to get lit up a little bit as well. And just taking a look at that Red Sox versus Blue Jays series. Runs upon runs as the Blue Jays had eight home runs on Sunday. And a man that it feels like he hits eight home runs during every one of his shows. That'd be you, John. You do an absolutely terrific job over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. I know you do a wide variety of things. You're taking a look at the NBA playoffs because obviously... Philadelphia 76ers are having themselves a nice run. So love the good people at home. Know what you've all got going on right now. Now they're able to follow along on social media and elsewhere. Yeah, finally back from vacation. So first show in over a week happening today on Monday. So yeah, good to be back. Line change Monday through Friday, 8 to 11 on The Gambler. Just look up in the iHeartRadio app. Just download that. Look up The Gambler and that'll show up. And then follow me at jjanson 34 Do some work over at windailysports.com as well. A bunch of things that I'm into and that you can check out. And I'm glad that was a great comparison. Comparing me to I guess the, the Blue Jays and I guess a little bit of Vlad Guerrero Jr. I'll take that, Greg Peterson. I don't know if that's true, but I'll take it. (laughs) Absolutely. You are a man that you are going deep every single time. You always (laughs) give a complete game, unlike many of these pitchers out there in the big leagues. And John does a terrific job over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. And it's always great to get him on this podcast every few weeks on the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. So big thanks to John for joining me and coming up next. It is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Monday and a little something you like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to get John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, on the podcast. So big thanks to him. Now it is that time the podcast. I give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Monday and a little something I like to call... 
touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUNNRSQUARTY1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games are after that, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom of the pile, so that's how that winds working. I don't think we have any interleague games that are going to be going on today. If they are, there is only one of them, but I'm pretty sure that it's all National League and American League games. So let's start with that first National League game, 951-952 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be in the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. John Lesser is going to be going for the Washington Nationals. Meanwhile, JT Brubaker is going to be on the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates are finding themselves as slight underdogs here. You're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Nets, you're going to be finding them as bad as minus 125, as good as minus 115. Total on this game is 8.5. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even at minus 110. Set this total at 9.3 because I do think that we're going to be getting quite a few runs in this game, so we're going to be taking a look at that over, but even though the Nats have had a rough run of it so far this year, they are going to be backing John Lester up with a little bit of a better bullpen. They wind up getting Brad Hand in the offseason. Kyle Finnegan has been a little bit intermiss for the scene, but he's been able to give them a little bit of something. And the Nationals coming off a nice shutout yesterday in which Joe Ross was able to give them eight innings. It was much needed after that double dip. And you take a look at John Lester. He's got a 4-1-9 ERA, so he hasn't necessarily been too great. hasn't been too terrible. He has yet to be able to get a win in a decision so far this year. But when you take a look at Lester, as well. The big concern for me is the fact that he's getting right around four walks per nine innings. He has certainly given up the hard contact as well, giving up in the realm of about one and a half home runs per nine innings, but has given up approximately one run in each out of his last three starts. So he's in good recent form for Brubaker. He has a 390 ERA overall for the year, but he's given up at least three runs and now three out of his last four starts. And he has had his issues giving up the long ball a little bit as well. He has given up 10 home runs over the course of 60 innings. So that's not necessarily too terrific. And then when you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, bullpen for this team has actually been really good. Richard Rodriguez has come in. He's done a solid job. Sam Howard wound up getting used up yesterday, but I do like what you're able to get out of Kyle Crick as well. And this is a team in which all of a sudden they are getting some of their pieces back. You've got Adam Frazier along with Brian Reynolds, both with right around a 390-ish on base percentage. Kyle Moran has been able to do 295. Brian A's just above a 300. And when he touches all the bases, they able to hit a couple home runs, but then you've got the bottom of the lineup. Gregory Polanco, Ben Gamble, Kevin Newman, along with Eric Gonzalez, Kaye Tom, you can throw in there Michael Perez, all guys hitting at 220 or lower. And then when you take a look at the flip side for the Washington Nationals, even though you haven't necessarily been able to get those power numbers, Juan Soto is a guy with an on-base percentage that's hovering right around 400. Trey Turner down for what? Has been stuck on 10 home runs for quite a while, but he still has 10 home runs and is hitting at 300. You were able to get a pair of homers from Kyle Schwarber yesterday, which really helped this team out. You've got Ryan Zimmerman along Josh Harrison. A pair of guys hitting between a 274 and a 280, so these guys have been able to give you a little bit of something. Alex Avila along with Victor Robles. Both have an on-base percentage hovering between a 340 and a 350. So I do take a look at the Washington Nationals. I think that they should be able to outgun a Pittsburgh Pirates team that, let's face it, they have just been really, really bad this year to say the least. I think that they've got 10 road wins all year long and you take a look at them recently. The pitching is up and up to the stuff. They have given up at least five runs in now five out of their last six games. So that is why I'm going to be riding with the over in this spot. Have a little bit more faith in the Nationals as well. So we're going to be laying it there. We move on to 953 and 954 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs hit the road face off against the New York Metropolitans. 
David Peterson, no relation, is going to be going for the Mets. Jake Arrieta is going to be going for the Cubs. Cubs are finding themselves anywhere between a slight favorite and a slight underdog. You're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 110, as good as a minus 103, and the same goes for the Mets. As good as a minus 103, as bad as a minus 110. Your total on this game is 9 with the over anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, and the same goes for the under, and I do take a look at this spot, and I think it's fascinating because you've got a guy in David Peterson that has been absolutely terrible in his last two starts, and you've got a Mets lineup that's banged up. Meanwhile, you've got a Cubs team that is led by Jake Arrieta, who has been absolutely terrible for this entire season. So, you've got a little bit of a horse apiece situation there with the Cubs. They are just so much better at Wrigley than they are on the road. 24-10 and 10 home record so far this year. Road record, it is 14-17. and 17. Meanwhile, you've got the Metropolitans currently at 17-6 at, at home. That is by far the best win percentage at home so far this year. And for the Mets, you've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Pete Alonso all year long. He's been able to now supply 10 home runs despite spending a little bit of time on the injured list. He's hitting in the realm of about a 260 for the San Francisco Lindor. This month has actually been very solid. Overall for the year, it has been a hot mess for him, but this month he's really been able to pick it up. You've got guys like Kevin Pillar, Thomas Nito hitting in the neighbor of a 250, and you've all of a sudden been able to get Mason Williams. Did a 270 for the team as well. You also welcome back Luis Galorme, who I always feel like has gotten a couple too few at-bats with the Mets and a bullpen that has been very good. Now, Jersich Familia wound up showing why he's still Jersich Familia yesterday, but by and large, when you take a look at guys like Trevor May, Aaron Loop, Edwin Diaz, these guys have been able to come in and do their job, and for the Cubs, their bullpen has been absolutely lights out. Ryan Tapera comes in yesterday. He was able to do a solid job. Craig Kimbrell looks like the Craig Kimbrell of old, though. He did wind up using 20-plus pitches yesterday, so you want to keep that in mind, but guys like Dylan Maples, Tommy Nance, Andrew Chafin, they're going to be available in the bullpen in this game, and for the Chicago Cubs, this is a team that they're generating runs both home and road. It's just a pitching that takes a little bit of a fall whenever they're on the road. Someone like a Jock Peterson has been able to do a solid job for the team, hitting at 245. He's been able to pick up his power numbers. Patrick Wisdom hitting a 327 with a home run every six at-bats is just absolutely ridiculous. You've got Sergio Alcantara is currently filling in for the injured Javi Baez. He has been able to do a good job. Anthony Rizzo, 360 on base. Chris Bryant is hitting right around a 300 double-digit amount of homers. You've been able to get some power out of Wilson Contreras with his 11 home runs. So I think that you've got a pair of solid guys here. The question becomes... Which starter do you trust in a little bit more? Because with Mr. David Peterson giving up a right around 1.8-ish home runs per nine innings, the walks per nine is hovering right around four. He's given up at least three runs in each out of his last four starts. Meanwhile, with Jake Arrieta, this is a gentleman that he's given up at least three runs in four out of his last five starts. He has given up a combined three homers in his last three starts. He has went five innings or fewer in each of them. He has given up right in the neighborhood about four walks per nine innings himself. So it's a good old situation of something's got to give. I trust in the Mets a little bit more at home. I want him setting them at a minus 107. So we're going to be riding with the Mets in this spot. Set this all at 8.6 as well because the Mets are banged up. And I do like both of these bullpens. So we're going to be taking this total under as well. 955, 956 on the bang board. The Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. And they're under the road face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Eric Lauer is going to be going for the Brew Crew. Meanwhile, you've got Vladimir Gutierrez, who's going to be going for the Red Legs. Red Legs are finding themselves as underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 122 and plus 132. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Brewers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 133 and minus 145. Total on this game is 9. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even a minus 115. 
seen for the Brewers. They certainly have been able to pick it up with their offense. Five plus runs in eight out of their last ten games. Omir Nervais is hitting right around a 300. And for Christian Yelich, power numbers are not there, but the on-base percentage certainly has been. He's been able to provide an on-base percentage as hovering right around a 400. So he's been able to do a great job with that regard. Obviously, El Garcia has actually been the power hitter for this team. 13 homers. He's got right around a 310 on-base now. You've got a lot of guys that they leave something to be desired with regards to the batting average. You've got a pair of guys in Luis Odias along with William Thomas in between a 225 and a 235. Daniel Vogelback hitting right around a 220-ish. And then you've got Daniel Robertson along with Travis Shaw, Manny Pina, Jackie Bradley Jr., Chase Peterson, all these guys hitting a 215 or lower. But what you also have with the Milwaukee Brewers, a good 8th and ninth inning duo that is probably not going to be available because Evan Williams, Josh Hader, they both wind up getting used up for 18-plus pitches yesterday. And then you take a look at Eric Lauer. This is someone that has been better this year than he was last year, but he's still giving up just under 3 home runs per 9 innings. So that is an issue for Gutierrez. He's given up 1 home run in 17 innings across 3 starts. Walks are a little bit high, right around four and a half walks per nine innings, but by and large, he's been able to hold down the Fordham when he wanted facing off against the Brewers in Cincinnati about a week or two ago. Gave up two runs over the course of seven innings. Now he's backed up by a bullpen that is not necessarily too good, especially with TJ Antone currently on the injured list, but Heath Embry, he's been not necessarily so good, but I think that he could pick it up a little bit. You've got Brian Brock, someone who I actually do trust out there in the bullpen. Now, Amir Garrett has been a hot mess, no question about it, but what has also been a hot mess is teams trying to shut down the Cincinnati Reds. Now, I do recognize that the Reds score about two more runs per game at home rather than on the road, but Jesse Winker, Nick Cassianos, both of these guys have north of a 415 on base. Cassianos has 13 home runs. Winker has 17. Jonathan India, he has been different home to road, but he's got right around a 360 on base. Joey Votto is back. He's a professional hitter. Tucker Barnard has been able to be solid for the team. Shogo Akiyama is someone that I still don't necessarily have a lot of faith in, but he's been able to do a little bit of a better job recently. Certainly better than what he was able to do during the 2020 season. It's just hard in general to have faith in Eric Lauer. I was willing to take the Reds as long as I was able to get at least a plus 127 and we're getting right around a plus 130 in a couple spots. So I'm going to wind up taking a shot here on the Reds. When it comes to this total, you have to be gauging the Reds a little bit differently home to road. I wound up saying this all at 8.7, so we're going to be taking it under along with the Reds. 957-958 on the bang board. The St. Louis Cardinals are going to be playing host the Miami Marlins. Braxton Garrett is going to be going for the Marlins. Meanwhile, Adam Wainwright is going to be on the bump for the Cardinals. Cardinals find themselves anywhere between minus 154 and minus 159 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the fish, anywhere between plus 144 and plus 145. Total on this game's 8.5. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Overs anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Adam Wainwright is just so vastly different home to road. So, I do wind up making the Cardinals a sizable favorite. And if you're taking a look at the run line in this spot for the Cardinals, I'm seeing that anywhere between plus 125 and plus 130. I'll let you know right now. That's where I'm going to be looking on this game, the run line of the St. Louis Cardinals, because I mentioned Wainwright's home and road splits. When you take a look at them at home, 262 ERA, 3-3 three three record across 8 starts. He's given up 5 home runs at 55 innings. On the road in 18 and 2 thirds innings across 4 starts, 6 home runs given up. Opponents on the road are hitting a 313 off of them. Meanwhile at home, a 201. 
just a completely different pitcher. And then you take a look at Braxton Garrett. He's made a couple appearances this year for his career. He's made three starts, four total appearances, and they haven't gone well for him. He's given up more than two home runs per nine innings. He's given up more than six walks per nine innings. So he just looks like a guy that is not necessarily prepared for the big leagues with the Miami Marlins. I do anticipate them going to their bullpen heavily and often. I do think that you're going to be able to get a couple good innings in this spot out of someone like Yimi Garcia. I think that Dylan Flora is going to be available as well. But using up Ross Detweiler, John Curtis, Zach Pop yesterday, that is going to hurt this team. Now with the Miami Marlins, you do have a couple guys who are doing a solid job of being able to supply the boom for this team. The Marte Parte of Sterling Marte hitting a 350 with a 443 on base is absolutely terrific. Asus Aguiar, Jazz Chisholm, pair of guys hitting between a 270 and a 280 for Aguiar. 49 RBI and 12 home runs. Corey Dickerson has been able to hit a 260. Ore Alfaro wound up getting banged up a couple days ago, but he wound up returning to the fold yesterday. He and his 330 on base, 275 batting average. That is big for this team. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. No doubt this is a team that's scuffling. I believe that they have lost 8 out of their last 10 games, but you still have a lineup with a trio of guys hitting between a 273 and a 286. Yadier Molina, Tyler O'Neill, Alonzo and Arenado, and for O'Neill. 15 home runs so far this year. Paul Goldschmidt is hitting at 244. You know that he's going to be able to pick it up. Umando Sosa, Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson. All guys hitting between a 258 and a 264 with both Sosa along Carlson. North of a 340 on base as well. Now, Matt Carpenter, he just doesn't have it. And Paul DeYoung, he has been able to do a good job with regards to the power. But at the same time, Buck 72 batting average just came off the injured list. Did wind up having a home run in that series against the Chicago Cubs and for the St. Louis Cardinals. The good news about their loss on Sunday Night Baseball is that Ryan Aisley was really the only guy that came out of the bullpen. So, Alex Reyes is going to be available in this game. Jake Woodford, a guy that I think is underrated, going to be available. Andrew Miller, list goes on and on. So, that is going to be very helpful for the St. Louis Cardinals team. I take a look at the Miami Marlins. I think that they're in a little bit of a rough spot, especially with having used up so much of their bullpen yesterday, which is why I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of the St. Louis Cardinals. And in this spot, wound up saying the total just a hair below 8 the Miami Marlins have just been an atrocious offense all year long, so we're going to be dipping under along the Cardinals' run line. 959-960 on the bang board. The Slam Diego Padres hit the road face off against the Colorado Rockies. Austin Gomber is going to be going for the Rockies. Then Nelson Lamette is on the bump for the Padres. Your tallest game is anywhere between 11 and 11 and a half. With the 11 overs, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The unders, anywhere between even a minus 110 on the 11 and a half. Unders, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs, anywhere between even a minus 105. If you're taking a look at the Rockies, getting a nice plus price here. Anywhere between plus 136 and plus 140. If you're looking at the pods, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 147 and minus 155. We were talking about this with our good buddy John. Jansen and the Padres should be a favorite here but I feel like they're a little bit too much of a favorite because you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of Nelson Lamet. He went five innings for the first time all year against the Chicago Cubs about a week ago. He wound up giving up four runs in that start. The more that they stretch him out the more human he winds up looking. He's given up right around three walks per nine innings and for Austin Gomber he has done an absolutely terrible job of being able to have command a little bit over three walks per nine innings but he's actually really been able to rein it in and at home, a 133 ERA across four starts. Now, he's also been given out four and a half walks per nine innings, but opponents are in above 49 off of him. And you take a look at this Padres team, they have broken the four run plateau twice so far this month. Fernando Tatis Jr. is absolutely amazing. He's got 19 home runs. He supplies a grand slam yesterday. But then you take a look at the rest of the lineup. You got guys that are getting on base for you. Guys like a Manny Machado, Will Myers, you even throw in their tricks and profile. These guys that are hitting in the wrong 
bump up about a 240 for profile, more like a 220, but you've got like 325-ish on bases. Tommy Pham, 240 batting average, 374 on base. Jay Cronenworth, 340 on base. He's hitting more like a 275, but really, other than Tatis Jr., the power numbers have not necessarily been there for the Padres. And then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies on the road. This team is a disaster and a half. You want absolutely no part of the Colorado Rockies whenever they are on the road because this is a team that they're hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200 whenever they're on the road. It's approximately a 202 with a 272 on base. They're getting like a half home run per game, but you take a look at them at home. 277 batting average at Coors Field. They've been able to supply 41 home runs in 34 games, so they've been able to do a great job there. If you're looking at the home batting averages of these gentlemen of the Colorado Rockies, Josh Fuentes, a 330. Jonathan Daza, a 368. You've been able to get a 300 out of Remy Altapia. Now, Trevor Story has been a little bit banged up, but he's been able to hit right around a 290 for this team as well. They just have a little bit of better plate discipline. And for the Rockies, bullpen has honestly been too terrific, but Daniel Bard has been able pitch pretty well in the Mile High City. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Michael Givens as well. And for the Padres, they do have the number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues, but they've also been taxed for the most innings out there in the big leagues. Emilio Pagan, Craig Stamm, and Nisbel Kurz, Matt, Tim Hill. These guys have all been able to do an absolutely amazing job, but I take a look at the Colorado Rockies. I do think that there's some value here because Gomber has been so good in Colorado, so I'm going to wind up taking the plus price here with the Colorado Rockies. I was pretty much willing to take this as long as I was getting anywhere north of, I would say, about a plus 136, plus 137-ish. We're getting a plus 140, and with this total, I did wind up setting it at 10.7, so we're going to be dipping under to go along with the Rockies. 961-962 on the bank board. The San Francisco Giants are going to be playing out to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Matt Peacock is going to be going for the D-backs. Meanwhile, Alex Wood is on the bump for the Giants. The Giants are finding themselves anywhere between minus 190 and minus $2. This is only up at the Westgate and Circa, as I'm seeing it. Meanwhile, with the Giants, you're going to be finding their opponent, the Arizona Diamondbacks, at anywhere between a plus 175 and a plus 181, and your total on this game is 8. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. I'm going to be taking a look at this total under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Giants on a run line. If you're looking for a run line price on the Giants, currently seeing that at even money at both of these shops. I was willing to lay up to a minus 120 with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I do recognize that in their run in which they went 5-32 in their last 37, I believe that 11 of those games have been decided by one run. I think that one or two of those wins were decided by one run and obviously a lot of the losses, but for Matt Peacock, actually gave a couple good starts to begin his career as a starter, but over the last two starts, he has given this team a combined six and a third innings, and he has given up seven runs, six of which were earned, including seven walks to three strikeouts. And it's not necessarily what you want. Now with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've actually got a league average bullpen over the last three days, which is absolutely amazing. Joe Manapoli has been able to pick it up a little bit for this team. You've been able to get a tad bit of something out of guys like Riley Smith, but he wound up having to come in and roll long relief yesterday because John Duplantier was able to get a whopping four outs for this team. So that's absolutely tremendous and Joaquin Soria, you want no part of him. Now with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the lineup is actually not too bad. You get back Carson Kelly and Quintero Marte. Kelly, 380 on base. He's able to supply a little bit of boom and for the Marte Parte, he has a 400 on base and a 356 batting average. So he's been terrific. Eduardo Escobar hitting a 240 with 15 home runs is relatively solid. Josh Reddick is able to get on base. 275 batting average. Ezra Cabrera is back in full with his 365 on base. Paven Smith has been able to give you a tad bit of something, but it just feels like they have a tough time driving guys in, especially when they're on the road. 
At home, they're averaging more like five runs per game on the road. That drops by nearly a full run and a half. And then you take a look at Alex Wood. He has had a couple rough starts recently, giving up at least four runs in each out of his last three, but only one of those were at home. If you take a look at Alex Wood, whenever he's pitched in San Francisco, he's been relatively rock solid, giving up two home runs in 29 and two-thirds innings. Walks can be a little bit of an issue, but opponents are a buck 98 off of him, and then he's backed up by a bullpen that's very good. Caleb Barger has been able to do a great job all year long. Looks like he might be unavailable for this game, but you still have Tyler Rogers, Zach Liddell, Dominique Leon, guys that you're able to look to and trust in. And for the San Francisco Giants, Buster Posey has been absolutely tremendous for this team. 400 on base, 330 batting average, 11 home runs at 161 at-bats. That is absolutely incredible. You've got quite a few guys that they don't necessarily have great batting averages, but they've got a little bit over 300 on bases. Mike Ustremski, along with Austin Slater, Brandon Belt, guys like this. Even Mike Dockman, who's hitting a buck 85, right around a 300 on base. And then you've been able to get Brandon Crawford going. He's batting a 250. He's been able to give the team 14 home runs. Steven Duggar is hitting a 275 for this team. Donovan Solano has been able to give you some professional at-bats. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, I think they've lost 18 straight games on the road. It might be a couple more, but I do know that this is a team that is 5-32 in their last 37 games. It just makes them a little bit of an untakeable side. So we're going to be going under, and I'm going to be taking the Giants on the run line. 963-964 on the bang board. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to be on the road facing off against the L.A. Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin is going to be going for the Dodgers. Spencer Howard is going to be on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies are finding themselves anywhere between a plus 148 and a plus 156 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Dodgers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 167 and minus 180. Your total on this game is 9. With a 9, the unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even a minus 110. For Spencer Howard, we were mentioning it with our good buddy John, the fact that he just has absolutely no consistency whatsoever, and I'm not very bullish on him. He has given up so far this year a little bit over seven walks per nine innings. He has not given up a home run in 13 and two-thirds innings, has made six total appearances, three starts. He has not went more than four innings in any one of them, and in his last three starts, he has given up a combined nine walks and completed nine and a third innings. That is not impressive. Meanwhile, for Tony Gonsolin, in his first appearance of the year, goes one and two-thirds innings, gives up one run, and he gave up five walks as well, so you might be having dueling bullpen games in this game, for the Dodgers, they did wind up having to use up Kenley Jansen yesterday. Blake Tryon, Victor Gonzalez both wound up coming out of the bullpen. But for Gonzalez and Tryon, both of these guys used up for 10 pitchers or fewer. Both of these guys south of 325 ERAs. And I guarantee you, Phil Bickford is not going to be coming out of the bullpen for the Dodgers. Many of you guys that bet the run line yesterday on them know all about them and you want no part of them. But you are probably going to be seeing someone like a Jimmy Nelson, David Price, guys with starting experience, maybe giving you a couple innings. Nate Jones, it's not necessarily been too terrific recently, but he's an option as well. And then when you take a look at the Dodgers, you've just got a bunch of guys that do a great job of being able to reach base for this team. You take a look at the starting lineup that was trotted out there on Sunday. You've got four or five guys that have an on-base percentage as above a 355. Austin Barnes, whenever he's out there, Will Smith. You've got Matt Beattie with a 375. Chris Taylor, a 390. Mookie Betts, a 370. And that's sort of like the B roster for this team. Albert Pujols has been able to give you actually like 10 home runs so far this year. He's been able to do a solid job with that regard. You've got to figure that Justin Turner down for what is going to be back for this team relatively soon. He wound up getting the day off yesterday. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, this is a team that... I just don't trust in their bullpen. Archie Bradley has actually been solid for this team. Hector Neris, if you're looking from an ERA standpoint, has actually been solid at a 3-1-6, but I do not want any part of him in a late game. Sam Coonrod, Connor Brogdon, these are guys that 
are very much hit or miss, but then you take a look at the lineup of this team, and you've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Ronald Torres. He is hitting at 285 for this punch. I know that we were mentioning the fact that Luke Williams has become a little bit of a stalwart for this team. He's been able to give you a tad bit of something. Odubo Herrera, 345 on base and a 280 batting average. He's really picked it up. Gene Segura is hitting a 340 for this punch. You've got Bryce Harper, who's got a 390 on base. He's been able to get a home run about every 20 or so at bats. you got to figure that that's going to climb up a little bit. Andrew McCutcheon, not a great batting average, but a 336 on base as well. So I do think that the Phillies are going to be able to generate a little bit of something, but I just fear that the Phillies are going to get another poopy start out of Spencer Howard. They're going to go to a bullpen that is also poopy, and that is not going to result in a very good result here. And I want to make the Dodgers in the spot a minus 184 favorite. If you're looking at the run line, by the way, seeing that anywhere between a plus 110 and a plus 115, pretty much any plus price would have done it for me. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Dodgers run line and in the spot because it is LA and it is a night game. I don't think that the ball is going to be flying out and I think that both of these guys are going to have short leashes. So we're going to be taking the under along with that Dodgers run line. 965-966 on the betting board. You've got the Baltimore Orioles in the road face off against the Cleveland Indians. John Carlos Mejia is going to be going for the Indians. To be determined is going to be going for the Baltimore Orioles. So we've got no numbers up on this game. I was seeing Hunter Harvey a little bit earlier for the Baltimore Orioles. Right now on ESPN, it is just completely undecided. This might be Matt Harvey's time in the rotation, and if they trot out their Matt Harvey, you know where we're going. But with that said, you take a look at this one. If it is a bullpen game for the Baltimore Orioles, it's going to be tough because this is an Orioles bullpen that has been taxed. It's not necessarily too good in general. You were able to get a pair of innings out of Cesar Valdez yesterday, so he got spent. you got to figure that if it is a bullpen game, Adam Plutko probably going to be giving you a couple innings. He's got right around a 574 ERA. Had a good start to the year. He has not been good ever since. And Tanner Scott, Cole Solzer have been able to give you a little bit of something. Dylan Tate could be hit or miss. And Taylor Wells, he's got right around a 4 ERA. He might be able to give you an inning or two. And for the Orioles, I I will give them this. The bats have been able to pick it up. They didn't necessarily do so yesterday, but you take a look at Trey Boom Boom Mancini, double-digit amount of homers, 350 on base. Got quite a few guys hanging between, I would say, that pocket of a 240 to a 255-ish. Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, Freddie Galvis. You're able to throw in there Pedro Severino as well, but then you've got the slugs on this team. DJ Stewart sitting at 225, and then Mikel Franco, Stevie Wilkerson, Pat Vileka, Austin Wins, Chance Sisko, Ryan McKenna. All guys hitting at 220 or lower for this team. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Cleveland Indians. This is an offense that leaves a lot to be desired as well, unless if you have two outs in the ninth inning, down by three, and you need to mess up Greg Peterson's under. But with that said, you do have Bobby Bradley, who has been able to hit very well for this team in a small sample size, but then again, it is a small sample size for a reason. You've got the Ramirez's and Harold and Jose Ramirez, who are both hitting between a 270 and a 280, throwing their amid Rosario as well, doing a solid job. Eddie Rosario along with Josh Naylor have been able to get on base along with Bradley Zimmer, these three guys, in between a 235 and a 245, but Austin Edges, Yu Chang, so many of these guys have just not been able to step up. Cesar Hernandez, he's been able to give you a couple homers, but he's right now got a 215 batting average as well. Now, I will say for the Cleveland Indians, Bullpen for the team has been solid. Emmanuel Clace, James Karinchek, Brian Shaw. These guys have been very solid. Shaw probably going to be unavailable after he wound up getting used up yesterday, but still you've got a lot of options that you're able to look to, and you're probably going to need them because for John Carlos Mejia, in his two starts, he has went a combined three and two-thirds innings, so he's averaging less than two innings per start. Now, the good news is he has not given up any home runs. Bad news is he's giving up about four walks per nine innings, so you've got a little bit of a mixed bag there. Got to assume that I'm going to be making the Indians 
quite a sizable favorite. It all depends on who Baltimore winds up throwing out there with regards to a total. Probably going to be looking at a 9 or higher to an under 8.5 or lower over, and I'd be thinking that I'll probably be back in the Indians as long as it's a reasonable price, but I just need to know the Orioles' plan before giving you anything set in stone. 967-968 on the main board, the Boston Red Sox. Going to be playing against the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. Nathan Eovaldi is going to be on the bump for the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox are finding themselves as slight favorites here. Anywhere between minus 114 to minus 125. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Jays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 104 and plus 114. Total is anywhere between 9.5 and, and 10. On the 9.5, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 105. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the 10, the under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110, seeing a plus 105 out there as well. And this is a situation in which I'm going to be trusting in Nathan Eovaldi. He has done such a good job of being able to live with our contact. Now, I do recognize that the Boston Red Sox bullpen is doing for a little bit of regression, and we are certainly starting to see it. But for Eovaldi, he should be able to live with that because he's given up three home runs at 17 walks and 72 and a third inning. So he has been lights out there. And for Alec Manoa, I feel like he's just getting priced a little bit too highly. He had a nice start against the Chicago White Sox in which he gives up two runs over the course of five innings, but I mean, he wound up having a start against the Miami Marlins in which he gives up four runs, doesn't make it out of the fourth. Team somehow, someway wins that start, so they're 3-0 in his starts, but I still do have my questions with him, with the Toronto Blue Jays. The good news is, you're going to have a relatively rested bullpen. You're going to be able to look to guys like an Anthony Kasser. You're probably going to be able to have Rafael Dolis available, Joel Payampa guys like this, so that is solid. And for the Boston Red Sox, well, yesterday was a little bit of a hot mess, but the good news is, because you were able to have Ryan Weber just completely eat it for this team, giving up 11 runs in relief, which I can't remember the last time I've seen a guy give up 11 runs in relief. It means that guys like Darwinson Hernandez, Hodokazu Saramora, even someone like Garrett Woodlock, going to be available for this team. Now with the Boston Red Sox, you've got a very solid lineup. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, pair of guys with a 375 or higher on base, pair of guys with a double-digit amount of bombs, and north of 310 batting averages. Alex Verdugo, 345 on base. He has been able to supply quite a few RBI. Kike Hernandez at the top of the fold is not necessarily been too terrific with regards to his batting average, but he just does a little bit of everything for the team. Hunter Renfro sitting at 250. Kevin Ploiecki, Christian Arroyo in that pocket of a 265 as well. So got a lot of good pieces there. I know that Rafael Devers wanted to gain the day off yesterday, but he should probably be back for the Toronto Blue Jays. Marcus Simeon along with Bo Bichette have been absolutely terrific at the top of the fold for Bichette. 13 home runs. Simeon, 15 home runs. Both of these guys north of a 280 batting average. Vlad Guerrero Jr., what more could be said about him? How about 21 home runs and 55 RBI along with a 344 batting average? I mean, he leads the American League in both home runs and RBI. He has been absolutely tremendous with that regard. Randall Grichik, 275 with a 13 home run season so far. He has been absolutely amazing. Joe Panic, no need to panic when he's up there because he's been able to give you quite a bit of something. But I just take a look at Manoa. I feel like he's being a little bit too overvalued, a little bit too soon. I felt like there was going to be a little bit of regression coming in for the Boston Reds. Sox in. So far we've seen that, but I trust an Eovaldi in this spot. I want up saying the Red Sox more on a minus 136 favorite, so I'm going to be backing them, and I think that is going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. So, set this total 9.3, so we're going to be going under along with the Red Sox. 969, 970 on the betting board is up next. We've got the Chicago White Sox playing also the Tampa Bay Rays. Tyler Glassstone is going to be going for the Rays. Lance Lynn is on the bump for the White Sox. By the way, this is a New York Post play today, as you've got a total of 7.5 over and under. Any working minus 105, minus 115. Relative pick-em game 
same here. With the White Sox, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 115, as good as a minus 102. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to be finding them, for lack of a better term, as bad as a minus 108. You're going to be finding them as good as a plus 102. And the New York Post Play of the Day is the White Sox. I made them a minus 139 favorite with Lance Lynn. He has given up a combined four earned runs in seven starts. It's absolutely amazing, and he's going up against a guy in Tyler Glass and has given up at least three runs in each out of his last four starts on the road. At home, Gladstone has about a buck seventy ERA. On the road, that's more like a 365 to 370-ish. And it's K to walk rate on the road, a 3 as opposed to right around 7.3 at home. So that's something that I certainly take a look at. Now you've got a race team with the best road record out there in the big leagues, but you've also got a White Sox team with the best home record out there in the American League. So dueling, I guess you could call them, trends there with Austin Meadows. He's been able to do an absolutely tremendous job for the Rays so far this year, but he's got a combined one hit in the team's last four games, so that has been a little bit of an issue for him. He was able to get white out. Seems like he's starting to cool down, and with the race, this is a team that since the beginning of the 2020 season, they and the Detroit Tigers lead the league in most strikeouts with regards to their hitters. They've been able to do a little bit better job recently, and you've got a lot of guys that don't necessarily have great at batting averages that have been able to get on base. I take a look at someone like a Taylor Walls, 250 batting average, but a 366 on base. He Andy Diaz, 390 on base. Meadows has a right around a 340 on base along to Randy Arena. You've got guys like Francisco Mejia, Brandon Lowe, who have a 310 to 320 on base. So I do like those guys. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, you know that the bullpen is going to be there. Guys like Diego Castillo, Andrew Kittrich winds up getting used up yesterday, but only for nine pitches. So he'll be available. JP Fireeyes and list goes on and on of trustworthy guys. And for the White Sox, you have been able to get a great season out of Liam Hendricks. I do think that progression is going to be coming in for them. They've actually been a little bit unlucky this year. You wind up using up Evan Marshall yesterday, but Jose Ruiz is going to be available. I do like the fact that you've got Cody Hewer, and then you take a look at the White Sox. They haven't necessarily done it with the long ball, but they've been able to do it with getting on base. Nick Madrigal is hitting in the neighbor of a 300. Brian Goodwin has been able to give the team a little bit of something in a couple starts. You own Moncada, 400 on base. Jose Abreu, 260 batting average. He's been able to supply 49 RBI. You've got Adam Eaton who's only in at 200, but he has a 300 on base, and Yasmani Grandal. 398 on base and a buck 57 batting average, which is something I've never seen before in my life, but he's been able to give you a little bit of something as well. I take a look at the White Sox. I think that they're going to be able to defend their turf. Lance Lynn, best ERA out there in the American League. He has been on fire and glass, so just a guy that I have to gauge a little bit differently home to road. So the New York Post play of the day is going to be the money line of the Chicago White Sox. And when you take a look at this total, set it at 7.3. So going to be going with the under along with the New York Post play of the day, which is the White Sox. 971-972 on the betting board. You've got the Detroit Tigers sitting the red face off against the Kansas City Royals. Brad Thunderkeller is going to be going for the Royals. Matthew Boyd is on the bump for the Detroit Tigers. Your total on this game is 9. With the 9, the over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 110. Seeing straight 9.5 out there as well. Under is minus 115. Over is minus 105 on 9.5. And if you're taking a look at the Royals, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 134 and minus 145. Seeing straight minus 129 out there as well. That's a nice find. And if you're taking a look at the Detroit Tigers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 118. And you're going to be finding them as good as a plus 128, and this is a spot in which I want to make in the Royals a minus 150 favorite. They had a rough West Coast road trip to say the least, and for Brad Keller, it has been a rough 2021 season, but 
You want him having like a 0.32 ERA at home last season. So far this year, he has been terrible at home. A 7.20 ERA, but I think that he's going to be able to pick it up a little bit. Still not giving up a lot of hard contact. Right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. The command has honestly been terrible at home. Eight walks in 25 innings. And then he's going up against a guy, Matthew Boyd, who began the year tremendous. And now he's been tremendously awful ever since. then, giving up at least four runs in four of the team's last five starts. And the other one wound up coming against the Seattle Mariners. So that is one in which you need to be knowing the team that he was able to do it against. The strikeout numbers are down. Five punch outs are fewer in each out of his last four starts overall for the year. Right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. But you take a look at this Detroit Tigers team. It looks like they were really starting to catch fire a little bit more with regards to their lineup. It combined three runs in the last two days. And you take a look at this Tigers team. You do have a couple guys are getting on base for you. You got Robbie Grossman is right around a 355 on base. Jonathan Scopo wound up getting the day off yesterday. He has been relatively solid with a double-digit amount of homers. Eric Koss has been able to give you eight home runs in about, like, 90 at-bats, so he has certainly been able to do his part there. But then you've got Des Cameron, Nico Goodrum, Miguel Cabrera, Isaac Paredes, Jason Rogers, Willie Castro, Nico Goodrum, all guys hitting a 220 or lower for this team. So that is certainly an issue. Aero Castro has been able to get on base for the team a little bit as well. And then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. They are going to be dealing with some inclement travel. But with that said, you still have quite a few guys that do a great job of being able to put bad to ball for this team. Calvin Gutierrez along with Whit Merrifield. A pair of guys hitting between a 250 and a 255. Carlos Santana, 365 on base. He has been solid. Andrew Benatendi, Salvador Perez, both hitting right around a 285. And for Perez, 16 home runs, 42 RBI. Or a Solaire needs to pick Pick it up. Six home runs after he had 48 in 2019 and is hitting a buck 78 and under Dozier hitting a buck 60. But you have been able to get Michael Taylor going. He's hitting a 240. Enzo Alberto has been solid as well. And then you take a look at the bullpen of the Kansas City Royals. Josh Shame out his back for this team. That is absolutely massive. Jake Brents did not wind up getting used up yesterday, so he's going to be available along Scott Barlow. And then for the Detroit Tigers, this is a bunch in which they wound up having to use up their bullpen quite a bit over the weekend against the Chicago White Sox, which is not necessarily what you want to see for this team. Gregory Soto winds up using up 20-plus pitches yesterday, so that's not necessarily too great. You're going to have probably someone like a Brian Garcia who wound up throwing 18 pitches yesterday, maybe being available for this team. You're probably going to have to look to Derek Holland, who is not necessarily too good, which is why I do wind up setting the Kansas City Royals as a sizable favorite in this spot. And if you're taking a look at the Kansas City Royals, the run line that I'm seeing is anywhere between a plus 140 and a plus 145. That is certainly calling my name. I do think that the Royals should be able to get to Boyd, and then when they do get into that bullpen, they're going to be able to rack up the run. So we're going to be taking the Royals on the run line with this total I set it at 8.4, so I'm going to be dipping under as well. 973, 974 on the bank board. The LA Angels are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Oakland A's. Chamonet is going to be going for the A's. Dylan, don't call me Al Bundy, is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are finding themselves as underdogs here. Anywhere between a plus 130 and a plus 144, seeing a straight plus 125 out there as well. On the Oakland A's, anywhere between minus 145 and a minus 154. And your total on this game, anywhere between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8, overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 105. On the 8.5, flip it. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even a minus 105. And this is a situation which I want to say the A's as more around a minus 150. 57 favorite 
The Angels have gotten white hot. They are above 500 for the first time since May the 1st, so that is very solid for them. But you take a look at what Dylan Bundy has been able to do this year. Well, he hasn't been able to do a whole lot of anything because he's just giving up a lot of contact in general. This is a gentleman whose whip is currently at a 130. 57 innings, he has given up 13 home runs. So he's given up right around 2-ish per 9 innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do on the road so far this year. Actually, a tad bit better than at home, but still a 534 ERA. He has made five starts. I believe that the team has lost all five starts. He is giving up on the road more than two and a half home runs per nine innings, so that is not great. Meanwhile, for Sean Manea, the Oakland A's have won nine out of his last 11 starts. It's been really impressive. And for Manea, one run or fewer given up in each out of his last four starts. He has been on fire now. He has given up at least two walks in each out of those last four starts, but he's going up against an Angels team that ranks in the bottom three with regards to walks drawn on a per at-bat basis, and then you take a look at the Oakland A's. This is a bunch in which they've got a bunch of guys getting on base for you. you got Mark Canna along with Matt Olson, both with a 375 on base. Both of these guys double-digit amount of homers with Matt Olson supplying 18 of them. Matt Jamin had a little bit of a rough start to begin the year, but now a 320 on base. His slug percentage. That is starting to pick up. Jad Pinder is back in the fold for this team. Jed Lowry's hitting a 250. so got a lot of guys coming together along Tony Kemp. 393 on base. You've got a solid bullpen for the Oakland A's that did wind up getting used up quite a bit yesterday as he has Mero Petit, Jake Diekman, Lou Trevino all wind up getting used up for Birch Smith, Diolius Carrera. A pair of guys are going to be available. And for the LA Angels, this is a team in which the bullpen has been able to pick it up. Rossio Glacius has actually been halfway decent for this team. Alex Claudio still have no faith in him whatsoever but I do think that regression is going to set in there. And for the Angels, you do have quite a few guys that are doing a good job of being able to supply homers for you. Justin Upton, Jared Walsh, Shoei Otani, all giving you at least 13 home runs so far this year. Anthony Rendon, these guys batting average up to a 240. you got to figure that that's going to go up and up and up. And then you've got someone in David Fletcher hitting right around a 260. Jose Iglesias, more around a 270. He doesn't necessarily draw a lot of walks, but you've got a pair of solid offenses, but I, in this spot, I just have absolutely no faith here in Dylan. Don't call me Al Bundy. Sean Manea has pretty much been automatic on the mound for the Oakland A's. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking the Oakland A's. The question becomes money line or run line with the A's. I'm currently finding their run line anywhere between a plus 130 and a plus 140. I'm going to wind up playing the run and half in this spot. I was willing to take anything above a plus 120. And then with this total, I personally wound up setting it at 8.3. So I'm going to look to one of the 8s at minus 115 juice and take that over to go along with the Oakland A's run line. And wrap things up with 975-976 on the bang board. The Minnesota Twins hit the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. One Marco Gonzalez is going to be going for the Mariners. Kenta Baeda is going to be on the bump for the Twins. Twins are finding themselves as favorites here. Anywhere between a minus 123 and a minus 130. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Mariners, anywhere between plus 112 and plus 120 and your total on this game ranging between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8, the over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110 on the 8.5. You're finding that under at minus 120 and the over at even. And for Marco Gonzalez, he's come off the injured list and he's actually looked relatively soft prior to going on the injured list. After he wound up having like 1.2 walks per nine innings last season, he was walking the world. Ever since he's wound up coming off the injured list, it has been a little bit better. He has had two starts under his belt ever since and wound up getting lit up a little bit by the Detroit Tigers, but in eight innings coming off the injured list, two walks, eight strikeouts, so he hasn't necessarily been too bad, but 
With that said, his team has been absolutely pounded by a combined 18-9 in those two starts. Meanwhile, you take a look at Kenta Maeda. This is going to be his first start in a while. Last time we wound up seeing him was on May 22nd, and he was getting completely lit up, giving up at least three runs in four out of his last five starts so far this year. He has just not been able to put it together. Kenta Maeda last year was a borderline Cy Young candidate. So far this year, a 527 ERA. A strike out to walk rate that went from 8 to 3.5, so he has not had a good run of it there. Just under two home runs per nine innings, but you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. You have been able to get some solid inning out of this team. You've got quite a few guys getting on base for you. Ore Palanco along with Josh Donaldson. Bear guys hitting between a 245 and a 250. Donaldson, a 350 on base. Rob Seiner is hitting well above a 300. Trevor Larnich along with Alex Kurloff. Have been able to give you something along with Andrelton, Simmons, and Williams Estadio. All these guys hitting between a 245 and a 265. I have no idea why Gilbert Celestino is still on the roster right now. He makes errors out there in the field and he's hitting a buck 15. That is not great. Miguel Sano, he's had 10 home runs over the team's last 30 days, but at the same time, he needs to be picking it up with the guards batting average, but Nelson Cruz, he has been able to give the team three home runs in their last six games, so that is something solid. And for the Seattle Mariners, dead last team in the league when it comes to batting average, but they have been able to put together a little bit of something. J.P. Crawford is hitting a 275 for the team. Mitch Hanniger has supplied right around a 260 batting average with 15 home runs. Kyle Seager needs to pick it up. He's hitting at 215, but Jake Fraley, he's got a 464 on base. That's actually really good. Ty Francis hitting at 250 for the team, but then you've got Jake Bowers, Dylan Moore, Shed Long, Taylor Trammell, along with their backup catcher, Jose Godi, along with Ore Mamalois, all hitting at 200 or lower for the team and for the Seattle Mariners over the last 30 days. They've got a bottom five bullpen with regards to ERA. Kendall Graveman winds up getting used up yesterday along Drew Steckenrider, which means Rafael Montero is going to be available for the team. And we all know how bad Rafael Montero is from the under that we wound up having a few days ago. You don't mess with the Johan Ramirez as right around a six ERA. Paul Seawald has no idea how to throw the ball to the catcher when you have a tie situation. So it's not been great. And for the Minnesota Twins, this is a bullpen that has also not been great. Cody Sashek currently on the injury. Alex Calme has been a hot mess, but Enzo Robles, Taylor Rogers, both of these guys are solid. Ore Alcala has honestly been too bad for this team either. I wound up saying the Minnesota Twins have barely enough to be able to take in this spot. I set them as a minus 124 favorite. We have gotten down to a minus 123, so not by a lot, but we're going to be taking the Minnesota Twins in this spot. And with this total, I do think that they wound up setting it a hair too low in this spot. I wound up setting it at an 8.2, so we're going to be taking that 8 over, and I'm going to wind up taking the Minnesota Twins in this spot. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this wonderful Monday. A big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this time podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You've got one of two ways we have firing questions. If you have them for this podcast, first one is my Twitter timeline, at GRNSquarty1. Keep in mind the letters EM. They mean does not matter, so always send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I'll be with you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season, which means I'll be with you guys every single day throughout the MLB season, which means I'll be with you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. 